0: I know that this isn't concerning the United States, but did you hear the news? Jeremy Corbyn has been suspended from the Labour Party in the United Kingdom pending an anti-Semitism investigation. This is a long time coming, but now here we are. Let this moment of rebuking anti-Semitism be an inflection point for the left wing in Europe. And let's hope the right wing also figures out what to do, too. Although, considering everything's going on in the world... I'm not so hopeful
1: on that one. This is great news. Jeremy Corbyn has really been seen as this kind of a symbol of anti-Semitism within the Labour Party in the UK. And he's been bad. He's really, you know, his anti-Semitic rhetoric, it's really soiled the credibility of the entire party. And I don't know, I suppose that now he's gone, like throwing off this negative political will will help Europe's left wing get back together. Although, once again, they do, they still seem to be in a better situation than we are with regards to our political situation. Hello, I'm Joshua Reisberg
0: And I'm Jacob Friedman.
1: And this is Gen Zer's Hot Politics.
0: This is where two members of the next generation of American adults talk about what's going on in the world.
1: Since the whole world is on fire, we might as well take a crack at delivering some insightful, definitely non-Twitter commentary and a side helping of comedy. Well, based on what we've seen, the economy has had a record growth, but it's simply not enough. They likely won't last. Cases will rise. There is a lot of political uncertainty around who will win the election, how that person will win the election, and you know how America will look like based on whoever would win. This isn't a great situation for the stock market to recover. We aren't going to go into a quick recovery anytime soon. The pandemic is far, far from over, and pretending that it's over will not make the economy recover any much faster, contrary to what Donald Trump believes.
0: Well, 33.1% annualized rate and a 4.7% GDP growth, I mean, those are good numbers. Like you said, they're not enough. They are not, the the pandemic's going on. And I I looked into this people's big news. And even though there's a ton of spending right now on cars, healthcare manufacturing, even housing, you know, over quarter two, retail and hospitality are still in the toilet right now. They're not gonna come back until the pandemic is largely subsided and until we have a vaccine or just whatever's gonna happen and the economy is going to fully recover until that happens. 23 million Americans are still on unemployment benefits, and we're still nowhere near a, a second massive economic relief bill. We are nowhere near that, and
1: Americans need it. Americans need it badly. I agree. And when, when With the winter approaching, with people spending more time indoors, with immune systems being weakened consequently, the pandemic is far from over. The winter will likely be really, really bad for the American public.
0: What is this, like a third wave? I mean... Europe, Europe at least had something. Europe and the rest of the world they had at least something.
1: And even then, when cases started rising, France and Germany have already closed all the bars and restaurants. In the US, right, it simply one happened.
0: I mean, the WHO has said about lockdowns how they we shouldn't be doing them because they're bad for mental health and bad for for general health. But that that is true. That is true. And we should we should be careful. But the problem is that herd immunity, whatever that even means in this context, it's not going to work in this context. It's not going to this virus. We have seen with this virus that it's not deadly enough to completely shut everyone in as like a massive like martial law, but it's not at a low sense of fatality to warrant everyone going out on the street like they did in Sweden on a worldwide scale. I mean, this isn't this isn't going to work. It, it, it we've already made so many, so many mistakes, and honestly, at this point, I'm putting my faith in Fauci. I hope Biden wins. And I hope he just gets something going.
1: I hope we have a president who listens to the scientists and based on the election, there's only one candidate who will do that. Right.
0: So the other story for today is concerns the youth vote and and Gen Z's place in American politics. And I just want to start this off with a few numbers from a Harvard youth poll from the Kennedy School Institute of Politics at Harvard. They dropped a bombshell and they they announced that their survey of 18, 24 year olds had 63 percent of respondents saying that they will be voting this election. That was the identical number to their survey 12 years ago in 2008. And to to quote the summary for a second, the 2008 election saw the highest youth turnout since 1984, with 48.4% of 18 to 29-year-olds turning out to vote, end quote. The the poll continues on basically saying that Biden has almost 40% advantage over Trump right now among these likely voters, something like 60-ish percent to 20%. And when you you break it down by party affiliation and what issues Gen Zers care about – now, these are Gen Zers, you know, 24-year-olds. It's 1996. That's the cutoff. That's the cutoff, actually. One of the cutoff points to millennial to Gen Z. And so we apparently care a lot more about the government. No matter what party solution we are, there's more consensus as to what government's role should be in, say, mental health and systemic racism. And even though there are worthwhile policy disagreements on deregulation and general anxiety about the economic future... We are definitely more stressed, and, I, and I'd say more angry than our parents were, than our few other generations. And we're about to reach the voting power of everyone over the age of 65, all the baby Boomers, some of the Gen Xers, some of the uh, last of the greatest generation. And that isn't heard of. That, was, that wasn't heard of until now. And in 2024 and 2028, it's going to become the norm. We're going to be the large, largest voting block with the millennials in America. And I bring this up because I just finished, um, it, was all, it was all a lie. How the Republican Party became Donald Trump uh, by G- veteran GOP political consultant uh, Stuart Stevens. And he's a part of the Lincoln Project, this group of Never Trump Republicans whose main mission is to defeat Trumpism. And I, re- I bring this all up because, considering we are less than f- we're just a few days away from the election, no matter what happens, this is our first real chance as Gen Zers to really make an impact. We have the ability to really change the course of this country, and we have. Protested all summer. We have been an online school on uh, at least at least on off uh, online school since March. Yeah, we and we are. But what I think really it's the end. It's difficult.
1: the end of forty.
0: It's an, It's the end of forty years of Reagan esque political spectrum. We are we are at the end of the traditional political spectrum. We were taught in civics class or social studies and history. We're at the end of that. At forty years now, the eighties to the to the 2010s. It is done. We are forging our own movement, our own emerging center, as Max Boo put it. Biden is now the new center and we need to now take responsibility. We need to vote. We need to establish what our country will be.
1: Well, I think what contributes to you know the increased Gen Z participation in politics, I think, is social media. Gen right. Z is more connected to social media and the news than ever before. We can access news from our cell phones with the touch of a button whether it be CNN or Fox News or whatever you want. So I think that's a very large reason behind why Gen Zers are nowadays far more active in government than, you know, Gen Xers are or millennial, well, probably millennials as well, baby boomers, right? We grew up with an iPad or phone in our hand, right? We have more access to what's going on around us and all the movements right. around us. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'm saying, I'm going to say it. I'm glad that our generation is taking action on issues that have been ignored by our fathers and grandfathers. Right. It really gives me hope for a new generation. As our history teacher, Kevin, said, <laughs> you know, it's a reminder that all is not lost.
0: Right, and I mean, it says the internet, I mean, just connecting your, what you said about technology to our new political arena, we're more digitally literate than everyone else in the population. We are the most digitally literate generation as much as we are addicts. We know our way around an iPad. We know our way around around uh, Discord, Reddit, Twitter, even TikTok. And we and we know not to fall for conspiracies. We we are learning the we are learning from the mistakes of previous generations. We're no longer under the control of say Rush Limbaugh over the radio. We are no longer held to these audio. We're no longer going held to these logs Gen X, we're not going to receive the same mistakes as gen, as young Gen Xers. We're not going to. We're not going to be pigeonholed into the party system. We're going to be, with ranked choice voting and with our digital literacy, we are going to break out. And we're going to finally bring a death nail to the old way of doing things. And we're going to build something better. We're going to build on top of it what we learned.
1: Well, I think I'd be cautious about that. I think completely over, I think completely building, I think the idea of building something on top of the old, you know, it's good in some regards. But on one hand, we want to keep, we want to keep conservative. No, absolutely. no, no, absolutely. I mean, those... The values that underlie America, you know, to you know what constitutes American values and what our country is made of. Now, America is a great country, right? But it has its problems, just like every nation does. And while we fix those problems, as you know, the new and robust generation, we must also remember that we are the United States of America, and we must upkeep the values that our founding fathers had established.
0: And this is why we need to defeat Trumpism at the ballot box. We need to bring all these ideologies together. We don't need to leave Trump supporters out in the cold people on the left don't need to bring people on the right basically ostracize them out of the conversation we need to have a good political center it's necessary to have a good political center it's necessary to have a conservative movement mm-hmm. not based on not based on race and and whatever adjacent issues that were disguising the racism as said the, the 1980s we, as steward stevens put it we need to we we, we should have a conservative movement Just as the Lincoln Project says, just as Super Stephen says, based on true economic principles, equality of opportunity. And even though I do disagree with a lot of the Republican sentiments, a lot lot of the uh, original conservative viewpoints of lower taxes, lower spending, and um, general deregulation, if it it was based in pure economic argument, based in more value of um, equality of opportunity, go for it. I mean. As much as I am liberal, I believe I
1: believe in a strong political spectrum more than anything else. But going off of that, Nancy Pelosi is 80, Mitch McConnell is 78, Chuck Grassley is 87, oh, yeah. Donald Trump is 74, Joe Biden is 77. These are people, whoever you like it or not, have in a way contributed to the divide. In our, I mean, I think Joe Biden trying to unite the nation, but a lot of them have contributed to the divide in our right. nation. And it really represents an old way of thinking soon all these high profile officials they're getting old they'll likely retire and new people will take over as gen z as the new generation it's our job that take over a more unified country and we make sure we keep it that way
0: oh need to, but uh i mean we're probably not gonna we, we as gen z are probably not gonna get there until at least 2030 at the earliest because well age but yes yes that's true i mean wars. now we have to pass it off now we have to wait till millennials really put in people like uh, Pete to judge or uh i think madison Cawthorn, aoc i mean like this like any of these people are not they're at least making an effort to get out there they're at least making an effort to really well
1: aoc isn't somebody who can i'm not AOC i'm not saying i'm not saying
0: that i agree or disagree with any of them the point is that these millennials are going to have to take the first step into a world post-Trump, post whatever you're going, you're going, we're going to call the, these four years, and we're going to need to real. They are going to have to take the first step into a new era of American politics. I mean, built on fi- actually fixing the problems of the past with a more with a center that is more on the left than on the right, as was established in the '80s, and uh, and honestly, with a with a Republican Party that is. Frank has frankly just done nothing but play that is now shrinking and playing to the increasingly shrinking rural white community in America. And with the Democratic Party that is still struggling on what it needs to do, on what its primary goal is, where its central figure is, we might, uh, uh, Ron Brownstein in, in the Atlantic just had a great article about how we might be facing the 1850s if we're not careful, because it could, because it could be that shrinking Republican Party, that increasingly minority Republican Party posing its will on a, on a, on a strong yet, yet dispersed Democratic Party with the six to three majority on the court, with the uh, filibuster. And uh, we could, could I be seeing that in terms of just hyper-polarization, hyper-asymmetric polarization even, in gen- general doom and gloom? Or we could see California. Because remember, in the, in the 80s and 90s, California went through a very rough transition from worrying about illegal immigrants coming over the border and social issues you know I believe prop prop eight was it uh, trying to uh, neg- yeah, yeah again, that's right. again marriage that now it's a more peaceful more prospering state although that has a lot of problems and believe me like, uh, we don't I'm have problems so sure to the debt that. you can't deny just like the state debt and, uh, and also the problems with homelessness in LA and the general. environmental disaster.
1: I mean, these problems still persist. There's still a lot of homelessness in cities like that in
0: California. All that said, California is generally a more stable place to live. It is still a very nice place to live. I mean, it's one of the populous states for a reason. I mean, it's very, also I've heard it's a very friendly state. But uh, anyway, the point is that we are facing a massive massive point in American history and we need to take charge of that. I mean, this this is why we started this podcast. We want our generation to be as involved as we can be,
1: and we want them to be ready to inherit right. the challenges that face ready. American society and to make right. them better right. for right.
0: So, our final message to you before we wrap up: vote if you can. If you can't, there's text banking. There is um, just coming, uh, just coming on our Discord server and chatting along. Get, get involved. Get into debate. At least, you know, educate your your family, you know, go get, inv- get involved. There, there's so many things you can do. It is truly a of potential. If we squander it, we are done. But if we take advantage of it, there's nothing we can't do. Hi guys, it's Jacob. Election night this year is really going to be election month, and we simply don't have all the time in the world to put our quality episodes around the clock, tracking every new update. So, in addition to several minisodes going over the big picture, we're going to be writing around the clock on our Discord server, prompting debate and analysis from several of our previous guests and interested listeners. The notifications are lighting up at every minute, so why not wait? Join the server now the link in the description or on our social media and website.
1: See you there. So here's the final question on 2020 you wanted to ask us. What is our final prediction for the 2020 election? I think that something the polls can never truly capture, it's the amount of single-issue voters who vote for Trump but won't say so, right? So polls can easily underestimate the voters who will vote for Trump because they will most likely capture his most apparent base, which is most visible. But there are many Americans who are single issue voters, like on matters such as the taxes and the economy, who won't really say that they support Trump, but will ultimately go out on Election Day and vote for Trump. And I think a Biden victory is definitely more likely than a Trump victory. But I wouldn't be shocked if Trump somehow pulled off a win. It'd probably be by a very small margin if he perhaps kept some swing states if he had won in 2016. I mean, what are your thoughts, Jacob?
0: You're right. There is obviously the shy Trump voter. There's always room for error. Biden, even if the polls were wrong in 2016, as analysis has shown again and again, Biden would still win. Biden has not had the Clinton collapse Post James Comey final week, and he's going to win a popular vote. I am absolutely sure of that. There's no way with Trump's getting popular. I mean, no, we don't. I'm 99. That. Sure. We don't doubt I'm that. I'm 99, it's 99 sure about electoral college. And the electoral college, for me, the only way Trump wins is either is if he does it by a squeaker, like in 2016, where he just won by Pennsylvania by half a percent, or it's whatever they decide to do with the electoral college by throwing out the uh, state legislatures, throw out the electors, and Put in new guys, or they, they, or we get a we get a Bush v Gore on steroids via vote count. I mean, there's a million things they could do there, but I'm just hoping for a clean. I'm just hoping for a simple clean election. Although that's what am I saying? It's not going to
1: happen, regardless of who you're voting for. I think it's you know to the best of American society that we have a clear and transparent election, and the fact that that's in dispute really scares me.
0: So just as we said about five, like three minutes ago. Go vote, go volunteer, do whatever you think. Whoever you're voting for, it doesn't matter. Just keep the integrity of the system alive. That's all that matters. And that concludes this episode of Gen Zer Sock Politics. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And send us any and all questions regarding the news or politics, because your questions make the show.
1: Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time.